The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Thank you for returning as we close the week out with a song. Returning from earlier in the week, freelance writer and creator of the adult spelling bee, Danielle Sepulvarez. Hello. On this edition, we're talking about the music video for Madonna's 1984 single, Like a Virgin, the lead single of the album The Same Name. There are other singles on that album you might know about called Material Girl, Angel, Into the Groove, and Dress You Up. It was Madonna's first number one single and turned her into a global sensation. The single alone sold over 5 million copies worldwide. It was uh, written by a couple of dudes, so it's kind of fitting with Working Girl that we talked about. Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg. This duo also wrote True Colors for Cyndi Lauper and Eternal Flame for the Bangles. So, yes, they'll probably be talked about on this show again sometime in the future. It was intended to be a sensitive ballad from the male experience. They wrote some bops. Yes. The video here we have directed by Mary Lambert, who had directed Borderline for Madonna before this and would also direct the Madonna videos, Material Girl, La Isla Bonita, Like a Prayer. And in terms of music videos, she's done them from The Go-Go's, Eurythmics, Chris Isaac, Janet Jackson, Rod Stewart, Sting, Bobby Brown, Motley Crue, Lionel Richie, and Queensryche. Film-wise, she's the director of Pet Cemetery and Pet Cemetery 2. She also directed Tales from the Crypt episode, the movie The Ink Crowd. I know I have people listen to us that love the Halloween Town movies, so she directed Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. She's directed for The Blacklist and Arrow. Plenty of TV, but not to be overlooked. Not to be overlooked in her filmography. Maybe the golden child of it. Mega Python versus Gatoroid, starring Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. That sounds like a, a USA Up All Night movie from back in the day. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's a, one of the sci-fi afternoon mm-hmm. two CG things, which it's funny. Uh, my friend uh, Scott Mendelson from Forbes, his first ever credit on the back of a DVD was for like one of the like Mega Shark versus Octopus or like that or something like that. <laughs> it was great. Uh, as like, it's always fun to return to. But I that was when, just... he, when he writes about movies, he has uh, smart opinions. Did you pick Like a Virgin because of my book? No. And I, I picked it. I sent you what to watch and then i realized oh i did not i totally because i moved from material girl i wanted i was material girl first i'm like "Ah, i didn't like that video i was like for some reason i wanted to hold on material girl and move around i was like oh yeah like that's good one and then i sent it to you and then afterwards i'm like she's gonna think i i did that and then you just asked me about that because it was not it was it was not yeah it's totally okay everybody Um, wants to know where i come up with like why'd you pick this one for me or why i'm like there's sometimes rhyme and reason there's sometimes how it goes but this was that was a happy accident i'm actually really glad though that you picked this one because Rewatching it, I realized my most distinct memory of this song is not this music video, but her singing it at the MTV Music mm-hmm. Awards. Yeah. Rolling around on the stage in her wedding dress, you know, her gloves and her 
all her jewelry and all that stuff and like oh, what a scandal it was and and that kind of thing because she was i think maybe she was like humping the stage or oh yeah she's rolling around so yeah 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 so like that's what i i think of visually when i think of the song but it was really fun to watch the video again because i'm like oh my god i forgot about the tiger there's the tiger there's a tiger the guy with the mask because you never really see the guy's face full on you see like a Mm-mm. little bit here you see like the back and in fact like when he's first carrying her from the back he looks like an old man yeah uh, i watched it a couple of times and i'm like am i wrong is it a different person or is it just like the lighting hitting hitting his hair differently like well, when he laid her down it looked like he had a priest collar on the yes. first time i was like wait is that supposed to be a priest and then he showed he had like a tie i was like right and um, what it, yeah so i kept second guessing myself with it it's quintessential madonna mm-hmm. the era like where i love that she had so many phases oh yeah and there's like she had this is her like you mentioned the wedding dress like it's in the video it's on the album cover she did that performance with it and it's funny that the one in the wedding dress in the video is like the horniest version of her mm-hmm. in it like that the other ones are just dancing having like on the gondola going through Italy and then I did like when uh, there's a bit of a weird symbolism when she's in that ballroom and she's pulling the covers off the chairs like making the antiques new again I was yeah. like oh, okay that was a nice little touch there. I love that. Yeah. I I love the video because it's super fun and she's just like, I mean, it's very sexual, obviously, but like she's Mm -hmm. like rolling around on the gondola and the guy's just, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But she's like, her outfit is so eighties and so iconic. And, uh, you know, growing up in the eighties, all my friends and I, as, as kids in elementary school, middle school, like we, we wanted to dress like Madonna, like Mm -hmm. totally the nineties hit. And then we were all, grunge and flannels and jeans that were too big and like uh, trying to wear our dad's clothes and stuff. I miss my nineties um, jeans though. I, but uh, I before that was like, you know, pink hot pants and wigwam socks and uh, <laughs> like, like big tops over like tights, you know, hot pants and mm-hmm. big hair. I had like a perm every other year <laughs> when I was in middle school and yeah, she was just, she was the epitome of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to go after school, we'd like go to someone's house and um, put on a cassette tape of Madonna and like dance around. And uh, like a virgin was actually a point of contention for oh. for some of us, like because we would we would dance to Material Girl. And the uh, thing was like we would try to imitate some of her dance moves from stuff. But then like like a virgin, <laughs> the song would come on and we would sing it, but we would sort of like look at each other uncomfortably like, mm-hmm. Like, whereas like material girl and um you know borderline and Mm -hmm. open your heart like and um like like other songs that had more like you know dancey things where she's just sort of like Mm -hmm. hopping around and and you know doing different stuff like especially i think material girl was the most fun for us to act out because of course we all had idealized thoughts of uh marilyn monroe oh you know and she's you know well, that's what I wanted to bring up, like, like growing up in the eighties. I remember it was like, like they told us, the industry told us, like Marilyn Monroe is back and she's Madonna. Like that's how she was treated. Like, like it was yeah. like, oh, Marilyn Monroe's back. Like she was, like she just like the second incarnation of, and she was like not like her at all. <laughs> but but they dress her like it. They treat her, and it's like mm-hmm. she's she's not. And there was an actress that was right around the time before Madonna broke out that was being used as like, cause she looked like Marilyn Monroe. She played like a lookalike in like five movies, including fade to black, 
which is one of the vinegar syndrome titles I picked up, which I talked about earlier. But she's in like five movies as like Marilyn, Marilyn lookalike, something like that. And then Madonna comes and there's no movies from this woman anymore. And speaking of Madonna in movies, Desperately Seeking Susan is an mm-hmm. underrated classic. Yeah, that one. And she's really good in Dick Tracy, that she one. She is really she's good really in good Dick in Tracy. That. Like how she didn't blow up bigger. I, I don't know if just some choices she made, but she had it. She yeah. had it. She's not a bad actor. Like no, she's not. She was like she was so. I mean, she basically played herself, I guess, in Desperately Seeking Susan. But yeah, she's like she nailed it. It was perfect, and it was almost like that movie brought to life like what you want Madonna to be. Like right, she's so carefree. Like doesn't give a shit. Like every man she meets falls in love with her. Like <laughs> right. When then she had that uh, that uh, erotic thriller movie with Defoe, I think, or was it the Body oh. of yeah, I did not see that. Yeah, that was on Cinemax a lot when I was growing up. I oh think. boy! Yeah, I think that was. But yeah, like yeah, she should have blown it up. I mean, she's got the press. I mean, a lot of music stars have it. Their videos. That's. I mean, it's four minutes to be yourself. But um, this one really gives you like this is. I mean, her last album was big, but this is you know her first number one hit, and this is just kind of breaking. Out. Hear the lion roar! Literally, it's in the video. It even does a double take on its pant. That was weird, but like she's all like, yeah, just different outfits, different shines of Madonna. She takes a boat from New York to Venice and back to New York. I know that's to, when I, I was watching it. I was like, oh, it's in New York. I don't remember it being in New York. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, she's on the gondola. Wait, no, it's New York in the beginning, New York at the end, but Italy in the middle. I don't know. All by herself in Italy, almost. Yeah, but I, also, I like how because like she had so many different music videos with so many different vibes. Right. Yeah. And, this one was very particular. It was really just her having a good time mm-hmm. and like owning something, you know? Right. Which like, you know, at the time as kids, like we didn't even like quite understand like no and, and like what it all entailed or like what exactly she was singing about. We just knew it was a dirty song that most of our parents were like, uh, well, you know, it, it, um, it, she made a song about, having sex and then Cindy Lauper made a song about touching herself so it was yeah. all but we, I, I, had, I had no idea she bop was about that till later it's just like oh yeah. she bop yeah yep. so I did and uh, that reminds me one of uh, my friends uh, he didn't know I think what is it uh, Tina Turner's private dancer oh he didn't know that that's like what private like what a private dancer was and so he used to sing it and one day his mom was like so <laughs> Maybe. Like, <laughs> we should talk about this. I had, oh, see, I had a friend in college. She told me once that in either high school or middle school, they were supposed to write an uh, essay about a song. And she picked Berlin, Take My Breath Away. And she wrote about, oh, it was about love and all da 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 da. And then as she gave her presentation in class and her teacher pulled her aside, he's like, mm, no, it's, it's um, about masturbation. That's what it is. It's about <laughs> lust and masturbation. Oh, Okay, it's like, but you know, sometimes the song is no longer what the artist meant once it delivers. I mean, people have first dance to um, "Every Breath You Take" by the Police, and that's a stalker song. It's a stalker. But maybe you know, once it's released from the artist, it means something else to someone who hears it. I don't know, but yeah. Okay, so Sarah McLaughlin's song "Possession." Okay. She had a stalker, who this was actually. The, the story way back in the day and now I, I'm going to have to Google it to see if this is like an urban legend or if it's an actual okay. real thing but I remember the story was 
that some of the lines in it, she got consistent fan letters from a guy and then like the guy sued her and then, well, and then he died by suicide. Like, oh, clearly there was some issues there, but like, I remember saying like, there was a guy who was uh, abnormally attached to her, like a fan. Okay. And in possession, there's like a couple lyrics where it says, I'll hold you down. I'll kiss you so hard. I'll take your breath away. And meanwhile, it like ends up being this amazing lyric in the song. Yeah. But like he had said oh. uh, at some point that it came from these letters. Like he said, like that was something he said to her, I'll hold you down. Mm. I'll kiss you so hard. I'll take your breath away. And it's funny because like when you put it in that context, it does sound terrible. But like in the song, it sounds like kind of sexy. And, like, yeah. Kind of kind of good heat of the moment and then you're like oh shit that's where that's an origin story well that's not great (laughs) don't tell me that don't want to know i don't want to know i don't want to know i know i'm like i could i was like i knew a sarah mclaughlin but i can't remember what song it was anyway yes this has been quite a tangent from like a virgin yeah um with possession you know that's sort of springboard off of like a virgin i guess (laughs) yeah there we go there we go the song rolling stone and mtv placed as their fourth best pop song of all time on their list they put out in 2000 it ranked number 10 on vh1's best songs from the past 25 years which i don't know when that aired but there's 25 years to mesh in there it was 95 on the billboard hot 100 all-time songs considered one of the 500 greatest songs that shaped rock and roll it's a really good song. It's, it it's not my favorite Madonna song, but it's a really good song and it's a really fun song. And there's something about having grown up being like too young to be listening to it. Right. When it came out, that also makes it kind of special because we loved it and we loved to sing it. And I mean, my parents were cool about music. Like they didn't really get too involved in like yeah. what the lyrics were, like what we were listening to and, and kind of, you know, didn't throw up any, like, oh, you can't. I actually remember my mom, there were some parents who didn't like, oh, this has got to be early 90s. Let's talk about sex, I think was the song that they didn't okay. like. And, and Red said Fred's I'm Too Sexy. They did not like either. And I remember my mom being like, I don't know what these songs are. And I played them for her. And she was like, oh, they're not bad. That's like, why are people mad about these songs? Like, and then with Ray said Fred, she would sing "I'm Too Sexy." Like, she thought it was funny. Like, she thought it was a funny. Uh, song. Yeah, I thought it was a funny song when I was like, hey, I was not younger, uh, and my parents didn't care because I thought "I'm Too Sexy for My Cat" was like the funniest damn thing. Weird lyrics. And then like Sir Mix-a-Lot came around, and they just weren't stopping us. Like, I, I recently recollect a friend of mine was telling me something about their first uh, parental advisory CD or whatever, <laughs> like that they bought and. I remember my story like I, I like the floodgates opened immediately because the first time I ever like bought my own like CD I was like my my dad dropped me off at like a Best Buy he's like yeah go in and get it or whatever and I bought White Zombie Astro Creep 2000 had the explicit thing on there nobody carded me I'm I don't know what I, I had it been like 12 13 or something and I take it out and he looks he's like uh fine <laughs> And then my mom's eyes like, what? And it's just like, once you go there, it's just done. You can listen to whatever he wants. It's so funny. But I used to do that. I used to, I was bad. At, like, give me a curfew. I'll keep breaking it till you drop it. I'll take the punishment, do whatever. And then <laughs> cussing around them, I just started doing it. Stop it. Stop it. Fine. We cuss together now. So I would do that. But yeah. 
Awesome. I'll complete another week here on the show. Danielle, you seriously, you rule. And thank, thank you. you so much for coming on. I've had like a ton of fun. One more time here. Uh, let people know where they can find your work and keep up with you. Okay. Well, you can find me on Twitter at LSEP, E-L-L-E-S-E-P. Go to my website, which is daniellesep.com, uh, which is where all my writing lives and ways to get in touch with me and videos that I've done and information about the adult spelling bee. Sometimes people send me emails asking to play or suggesting themes. So I'm always open to theme suggestions, even though we're backlogged with lots of <laughs> new stuff for the next few months, but I'm always willing to listen. And yeah, if you like pictures of really cute dogs, my dog Brandy, who is, you can almost sort of see her passed out right over here. <laughs> She's on my Instagram at Danielle Sepp. And also all the info about spelling bees usually there too. So it's dogs and bees on Instagram. There you go. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Written work on whysoblue.com. The Brandon Peter Show returns next week. But until then, always remember to keep the positivity in your online film chatter. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. 